Hello, and welcome to another edition of The Daily Bolt with your host, Dr. Jeff Tilley. Tonight's topic is the first part of what will be at least a two-part discussion. And this is on a science topic once again, but it's not necessarily on a specific science topic. In particular, um, we're going to talk about something that's fairly important, and it's certainly in public discussion to a degree, at least in terms of the term being thrown around. And so for tonight and potentially tomorrow night, and maybe even longer if I get really long-winded, we're going to talk about this idea of scientific consensus. What does it really mean? Um, and I've titled this particular podcast, How Valuable is Scientific Consensus? The answer is perhaps not as much as you might think. Sit back and relax. I'm Dr. Jeff Tilling. This is the Daily Bolt. And let's get into tonight's podcast. So this idea of scientific consensus is something that gets bandied about quite a lot these days. And a number of different scientific topics, but for the most part, this really shows up in the climate change discussion. Um, for a number of years, you've been hearing many, many activists say 97%, 98% of scientists uh, believe that we're in a climate warming scenario, and most of those, if not all of them, think we're going to have the world end in 12 years, or some other rather uh, hyper hyperbolic, that's the word I want, hyperbolic claim uh, like that. Hyperbole meaning great exaggeration, over-exaggeration, etc. Um, and these uh, well-meaning activists kind of jump up and down and scream a lot, saying, but you have this scientific consensus, and they stick to that. And this, I mean, in particular for the climate issue, uh, goes back all the way to Al Gore's film An Inconvenient Truth in 2000. And it got picked up and it's become kind of the popular lexicon. The question really remains though, how valuable really is a scientific consensus? And my answer to that is it depends. And most likely not as valuable as most people who throw the term out there to support their position on climate change or any other science issue for that matter. It's not as valuable as they think it is. Why do I say that? I can say that because history, history is ripe with examples uh, of concepts that were considered basically scientific truth, incontrovertible, no argument, uh, can't possibly be anything else that were accepted by the scientific consensus that it took one scientist doing incredible work to blow it out of the water. And there, as I said, there's many, many examples. I'm only going to give you a short list in terms of some things for you to think about that were considered scientific consensus at the time and which got blown out of the water by often a single scientist or maybe a couple of scientists 
disproving the theory that the consensus had bought into. Many scientists in the consensus had never done their own work. They'd never looked at the data themselves. They just kind of went along for the ride because it made sense. There we go. I'm looking at the little window in the screen. There it tells me that uh, uh, what I'm actually putting on the camera. So uh, my quotation marks, it makes sense. But consensus that makes sense may still be wrong. And here are some examples of that. First of all, the theory of continental drift and plate tectonics originally proposed in the late 19th, early 20th century by the German scientist Alfred Wegener was ridiculed at the time. The continents floating around on molten magma uh, in the mantle, ridiculous, and yet Wegener was proved right. One even more basic and simple, the Earth revolves around the Sun, which Copernicus eventually was able to not only show that, but be proven correct. But he was incredibly ridiculed at the time. And everyone thought he was a terrible scientist and had no basis, you know, talking about anything. And yet he was the one who was right. The consensus was wrong. The Earth is flat. That was effectively a scientific concept. And uh, a number of people, including Columbus, uh, provided information that effectively disproved that claim, even though there are Flat Earth Society people today that still think the Earth is flat. Um, I, and explain all shots of Earth being a spherical uh, globe from space as conspiracy theories. Um, I'll let you be the judge of that. Another one, fire is an element. This basically is derived from Aristotle's view that combustible matter contains this element that was given a name, eventually called uh, phlogiston, and it took all the way from Aristotle's time in uh, maybe the 4th century BC, if I'm remembering my timeline of Aristotle correctly, all the way to the end of the 18th century, late 1700s, by the French chemist Lavoisier to disprove the existence of this uh, phlogiston. And Lavoisier actually brought into being our modern view of the nature of matter and much of the foundations of modern chemistry. Yet the consensus for over 20 centuries was that you had this phlogiston as an element. And it was consensus, and it was the sort of thing that uh, people who tried to disprove it, including Lavoisier, were ridiculed, were uh, canceled in uh, the way that that was uh, done in those particular days. Um, but the naysayer who didn't buy into the consensus was actually right. Two more examples for tonight. I have some more examples that definitely I will put into a part two. Electrical current was not believed to be proportional to the area of its cross-section. Uh, and this was something that Ohm, uh, the Ohm of Ohm's Law, that anyone who studies electromagnetism now learns about in great detail, he disproved this in the early 19th century. And this was a 
uh, fallacy, a poor scientific concept that had lasted for a couple hundred years. And in something that was also the late 19th century, uh, the uh, disproving of Edison's theories about AC current. Edison uh, spent a lot of his time focusing on DC current, but he thought AC current was not possible to be harnessed correctly or profitably or efficiently for the use of uh, driving uh, things that needed electricity. Uh, and he was very stubborn about this. He actually uh, went to considerable lengths to try to discredit uh, Tesla. This is the Tesla that the cars are named after, a Croatian scientist who was a contemporary of Edison's, lasted a little bit longer than Edison in terms of his lifespan. Uh, but Tesla uh, disproved all of Edison's uh, wrong-headed theories about AC current being uh, unusable in the late 19th, early 20th century while working at Westinghouse. Uh, and this uh, discovery and this disproving of Edison really is what made a lot of modern electrical appliances, a lot of things that we take for granted in terms of electricity, in fact, having our homes mostly be powered by AC current in terms of their electrical capacity and not DC. Um, without Tesla being willing to challenge Edison and the large consensus of scientists he had amassed behind him, uh, without Tesla's challenge, we wouldn't be probably having this conversation today on the internet on a laptop uh, that is being powered by AC power. So that's just a few examples. I have more for the next time, but we're already at 10 minutes, and I'm going to keep this uh, not from getting too long, because I have more to say after I get through all these points. But scientific consensus is not always right. Sometimes it is very, very wrong. And to say that that's the only way that science should be done is also very, very wrong. If we were doing that through the entirety of scientific history, we wouldn't be having this conversation. That's all for tonight for this topic. I'm Dr. Jeff Tilley. This is The Daily Bolt. I hope you have a great evening, morning, afternoon, whenever you listen to this, and I look forward to having you come on board for part two. Take care.